0: Our reading this morning is from the book of Hebrews, starting with uh, chapter eleven, the meaning of faith. The first is verses one through three. Now faith is the faith excuse me is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval by faith, we understand that worlds that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Now starting in chapter 8, or verse 8 rather. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land that had been promised as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him with the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect is the builder, is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren. Because he considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore. From one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven, and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promise. But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, it is through Isaac that the descendants shall be named for you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: So, uh, uh, we have this text from Hebrews. Um, And I think in order to really understand this faith text. I mean, it's been, a, it's been one of my favorite texts throughout my uh, life as a follower of Christ uh, because it just, it just offers such a simple definition of faith. Now, faith is being sure, and I have a different version in my head from what we read this morning, but faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And it it's always just offered me a, a, a great sense of hope about things I don't understand. But I think to really grasp where this text is coming from, we have to really look at uh, the context of where Hebrews is. And it's called Hebrews because it was thought to be because it talks a lot about the contrast between the Jewish traditions of the first century and the Jesus. Tradition and the followers of Jesus, and basically makes a case for why Jesus is more effective, I suppose, in that regard—the superiority of following Christ to following the rituals of the past—and why that—and uh, why that becomes significant for the people who are hearing this text, uh, a, which is actually not a letter. It's kind of—it's kind of put together like a letter. But actually it was meant to be a sermon that was delivered uh, to probably a community in Rome somewhere, likely somewhere between 66 and 90 CE, so uh, just after Paul had been executed and right as the rebellion, the Jewish rebellion began, and uh, I think it was probably after the destruction of the temple, but who knows. Uh, anywhere in there is a good date. But this the context of why this word of hope came to this community is understanding that the, the first listeners of this sermon, the Hebrews sermon, were a group of people who had been persecuted under Nero because of their faith. These who, who left everything to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. They probably didn't, they didn't know Jesus personally, but they probably followed the apostles later, and now the leaders that the apostles had, had uh, put into place in Rome, and particularly Paul, who was c- quite active there. These wonderful communities that were set up there, who stood in faith, in spite of their their families perhaps leaving them, in spite of being kicked out of the synagogues, in spite of being shunned by their Jewish community, they stuck with their faith and they hung in there with it. In spite of Rome trying to blame Christianity for several things that went on. You know, Nero when he burned down the place tried to blame the Christians for that. And in spite of the fact that that christianity refused to call caesar lord because jesus was lord it was an act of subversion whenever they said jesus is lord it was an act of subversion and so finally nero said enough's enough let's arrest these people and take their property and so christians had lost their property many had gone to jail their lives were not their own to command except in this one way I am a follower of Christ, and you cannot take that away from me. I don't care what you do to me. My faith is strong, they said. And what they were hanging on to was the assurance, the promise, the understanding that Jesus was coming back any day now. In fact, Paul... In his earliest writings, seems to be encouraging Christians don't, don't marry, don't worry about all of that stuff, because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon. Well, pretty soon, you know, people started dying, and Jesus hadn't come yet. And people started to ask questions. These folks who had held on, had hold, held on. During persecution, during all of their property being taken away, during imprisonment, waiting for that. And and significantly, in 70 AD, when the rebellion was put down by Rome and the Jerusalem temple was sacked and destroyed, everybody thought this has got to be it. Our world is falling apart. This has got to be it. Jesus is coming, and I'm sure they sat there and watched and waited and thought. Now, it was kind of like you know, in 9/11, I got a lot of phone calls. My sister-in-law called me and said, "Is this the end? Is this the end of the world?" I said, "Well, it's probably the end of our little world, but (laughs) but you know, you know, tragic things happen." Throughout history. And one significant one for the earliest Christians was the destruction of the Jerusalem temple. And they thought, this has got to be it. But then a week went by. Two weeks went by. Years went by. Decades went by. And this group in Rome started to wonder, now wait a minute. Maybe this isn't exactly what we thought it was. And it was a faith crisis for them. As you can imagine, it was a faith crisis for them. All of the things that they were expecting weren't happening. And so they wondered, well, if our hope is not being realized, where is our hope? And they started to fall away. And many started to go back to their old time religion. The religion of their... Their youth. A religion that had been the reason Christianity was a kind of an anti-Temple movement was because that particular religion had become commandeered by the domination system of Rome and had become corrupt. So that's why Jesus uh, tore symbolically tore down the Temple when he turned over the tax, you know, the money changers' tables and all of that. Because that had become corrupt. And, and so they they began to go back to that and say, you know what, maybe this following Jesus stuff isn't there was a big letdown. Maybe it's not what we all thought it was gonna be. And so the author of Hebrews, who we don't know who it is, pens this sermon that encourages them first to recognize how great following Christ is. Uh, you know, what, a, what a good choice that is. But then makes this case about hope and faith. And he talks about Abraham. He says, you know what? Abraham, who is one of our heroes of faith, he never saw the promises that were made for him. Right? But he moved forward. He packed up his family moved to a land he had no knowledge of he did what god asked him to do and passed away having never known whether it would pay off or not there was the bit about uh, you know he's old and had some children but uh you know that was still not really sure whether the promises would be received or not and that's the case that the author of Hebrews is making is look there are going to be times when you cannot really see where your hope is coming from or where it's going and those are the times when you remember that God was so real to you at one point you hold on to the truth of that in spite of perhaps your disappointment and I think it begs the question where what is the source of our faith and our hope because if you're like me your faith changes and evolves and grows and has to be altered from time to time now I know people for whom that is not true and and I I fear for them I, I I'm scared for them because they're, they're friends of mine who have built a house of cards with faith about about things That ultimately fall apart. Things like, uh, you know, the reality of six days of creation, or uh, and and placing all of the importance about who God is on that one idea, or some other, you know, God's uh, desire and ability to do miraculous things in our midst, or all the red letters in your bible being the actual words of Jesus. I mean, <laughs> you know, folks who who cling to that or hold on to that and put their faith and hope in those very clear-cut ideas find their faith challenged at every turn all the time by the skepticism of our world. The folks in Rome began to realize even though Paul and others were really hoping that the, the reality of the Kingdom of God would come in the form of Jesus' return soon. Pretty soon, even Paul, and you can see this in his writings, began to realize that is not going to happen the way we thought it was going to happen. And so they began to ask themselves, what does this mean for our faith? And if we can't put our hope in that, what do we put our hope in? And I think what they discovered through this faith crisis is that there's a lot to put your hope in. And there's a lot to hold on to that goes a lot deeper than the reality of Jesus' physical return and you know, sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. It forced our ancestors of faith to say, well then what is our hope really about? If it's not about that. Which you can understand, I think, why a persecuted people would want Jesus to return. When you're, I'll tell you what, people start talking about Jesus' return when your life feels out of your control. Because you can't control it. So you really want Jesus to control it. You really want Jesus to come back and make things right. And that's exactly what a persecuted people wanted in the time of Rome. But when that didn't happen, what we discover is that hope is found in the idea of God's love winning over this hurt and broken world. What we are really hoping for when we say, I hope Jesus returns now, I think what they were really hoping for was, I hope and I pray that God is really there and really loves me. And that there is something more than what I am experiencing now. And there is something more for this world than what we see around us. Well, I don't know about you, but I run into these kinds of faith crises at different times in my life too. I'm sure we all have, if we're honest with ourselves. There are times when we look around and we go, where is God in the midst of this? Where is the hope? When people are violent, when war is raging, when the, the the difference between rich and poor are vast. When people are being judged by arbitrary things like the color of their skin or their gender or their sexual orientation and the world just... You want to go, where is the hope? And the hope is not in very black and white things we want to see happen. Hope is in the simple ideas. But the deep, deep understanding that God is love. And that when Jesus Christ says, follow Me, what Jesus is saying to you and me is follow a way that is grounded in the hope That God's love will prevail in this world. That somewhere, someday, maybe not today, but and maybe not after, you know, maybe after we all pass away from this place, that God's love ultimately prevails, and the kingdom of God, a kingdom of equity, a kingdom of mutual love and support for one another a kingdom where everyone every human being is valued as a child of God prevails that is the source of our hope and it's my and I think that is what has motivated Christianity for 2,000 years at its very heart when we dig deep. And when we say Jesus is my Savior, what we mean is Jesus has offered us a sense of hope that keeps us going in the face of whatever this world throws at us. And i got to tell you, it's pretty easy right now. Right? It's pretty easy. We're not, in, we're not Jewish in Nazi Germany. We're not in the Spanish Inquisition. right? We're not in Rome during Nero. (laughs) We are in a pretty plush time. And even now, sometimes it's hard to hang on to that hope. In fact, sometimes I think it's harder. But when push comes to shove, faith says, I am hanging on to this idea no matter what the idea of god's love and acceptance overwhelming desire for us to be one with god and one with each other not not on the details that are easy to tear apart every once every few years something comes along that threatens faith you know, Galileo was killed because he brought something up that everyone thought threatened faith. Darwin threatened faith. Uh, people in the '70s were talking about the virgin birth, and it threatened everyone's faith. And there are things going on right now that threatens our faith. But you know what? they're talking about things that have nothing to do with that which we really have faith in God's love and God's desire for all of us to be one with God and one with one another. And when we hold on to that, when we hold on to that, then faith is indeed the assurance of those things we hope for and the certainty even though we may not see it in our lifetime i pray that when you come into faith crisis and when i come into faith crisis that we're able to dig deep and find that our faith is there we remember that at its heart something real something that cannot be taken apart by all the efforts of this world. They tried. They hung our hope on a cross. And on the third day, that hope sprung anew into new life. The world cannot squash the hope that God has given. Amen? Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we we embrace a faith that is the hope And the certainty of things we do not see right now. May this faith carry us through the difficult times. And may it be the faith that we praise and lift up in the good times. Most of all, God, we pray that we would be in deep and meaningful relationship with You. And that our lives might reflect your love and your kingdom in this world, knowing that that is where the hope goes, what carries us forward. We thank you for all that you do and all that you are. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.